Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Winning in Life Without Losing Your Mind podcast. I'm Dustin, your host, and I want to take just a minute before we get started in this and let you know how you can follow all the content that I'm releasing right now. Obviously, on all audio podcast platforms, this show is available weekly. If you're hearing this for the first time, I'd love for you to subscribe and share this with your friends. Please rate and review. That also really helps. All of these podcast episodes are also available in video formats on my YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes of this episode. Please subscribe for free there and ring the bell for notifications of each video that drops throughout the week. On Instagram and Facebook, you can find me at Dustin Peed. And lastly, every week I send out a free newsletter of curated content and inspiration for you in each of the five topics that I cover. If you would like exclusive content, you can join that paid subscription to the newsletter for as little as $8 a month for an additional member-only benefits on Substack. Now to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Five Questions. I'm your host, Dustin Peed. Before I introduce my guest today, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, ring the bell if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening to this podcast on any podcast platform, if you would just leave a five-star review, that'll help me to continue push this content out. But today, I am so, so pumped. Uh, to have a, a dear friend of mine and our families and someone that we've uh, known and kind of uh, worked with uh, in and out throughout the years and supported, uh, Ben Arment. Ben, what's up, man? How you doing? Man, it is good to be here. Dustin, I feel like we go way back, but I feel like our friendship is growing exponentially in these last couple of years just because our wives are now friends and we're yeah. just digging in, man, digging in. We are. I love Ben uh, for so many different reasons. Um, most of all, just the person that he is, not so much what he does, but what he does is incredible as well. And we're going to we're going to get into that. Today's five questions is going to be centered around process, specifically about the entrepreneur process, because uh, there's a handful of people or less that I think of when I think about true entrepreneurism and crushing it. Uh, and Ben is one of them. I, I, we talked just before we started recording about me reading his bio. Uh, it's super long because there's so many different cool things. Catalyst, whiteboard sessions, men of the woods, production companies, on and on. He just told me that he had eight uh, eight pans on the burner right now. So uh, he's got a lot going on, but he he's always got time for people. He always has time for his family, which I know for those of you that are watching and listening is also super important. So we're going to dive right in uh, with, uh, with, with, this, with these five questions today, Ben. Why did you choose to kind of venture out on your own and, 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 and enter into this entrepreneurial spirit? Man, I tried to work for other people. I really, really tried. I gave it my best. And you know what? I got into it. I remember I went to work for Catalyst. It's one of the few years that I've worked for other people, but I worked at Catalyst Conference in Atlanta, Georgia, back when it was the, when it was the thing. And uh, I remember on the day of my interview, I was being walked around by the, you know, through the office by one of the vice presidents of the company. And he goes, Ben, he goes, uh, there's just one thing that concerns me. He said, looking at your resume, uh, you've always worked for yourself. Uh, what makes you think you could work for us here? You know, so I gave him my best answer. I said, I thought, I think I have a lot to contribute. And, you know, I'm, I'm mature now. And I, 
gosh, I get, I gave it three weeks and I was just chomping at the bit to, to work for myself because there's just so much freedom in that. And, uh, there are fewer committees to, to decide whether your ideas are good ones or not. Mm. And, yeah. um, it was a great experience. I was there for a little over a year, but that's as long as I lasted. I needed to do something where I could spread my wings <laughs> and try my ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So you talked to yeah. even, I didn't even know this about you. So before Catalyst, you had to kind of worked for yourself as well. Who, who mm -hmm. kind of invested in you and taught you how to kind of live uh, this lifestyle, to kind of live this career path? Did anyone ever kind of teach you this or invest in you or coach you in this at all? You know, I've thought about that because as I am raising five children now and I'm trying to pour into them some of these values of entrepreneurship, I begin thinking, well, gosh, what inspired me? And looking back, it came from a very unconventional source. My dad was not an entrepreneur. He was a pastor, a school administrator. But the thing about my dad that I have to give credit to is that he was a forward thinker. I remember when the first Macs came out from Apple, he was one of the first people I knew who purchased one of those. And so I got my hands on one when I was really young. And then early here's adopter. the other thing, my dad, early adopter. And in fact, my dad, I don't know his exact age right now, which is terrible, but he's probably <laughs> mid to late seventies. And he just started a podcast like a couple of weeks ago. Whoa. But the thing about my dad that it's crazy, but the thing I would, I would say about him that gave me a lot of um, courage and inspiration is that my dad never feared quitting a job ever. Like he didn't think that he couldn't go out and go get another one at the drop of a hat. And he was right. My dad was well-educated and he was a, a great man. He is a great man um, and great at what he does, but he never feared walking away from something if it wasn't right for our family or for him or yeah. for the career path. And I think just the courage to be able to say, uh, I, I don't need this is kind of the yeah. fundamental sort of belief that an entrepreneur needs to have. So yeah, my dad, Man, I love it. Uh, I'm going to skip a question and come back to the third one in a second. Uh, but I think many people there's kind of whenever you have any subject uh, of specific specificity uh, come up, uh, people have kind of recurring questions, right? Uh, you always get asked this question, always get asked this question. And I know for my entrepreneur friends, they always get asked the question, when is, when is the right time to quit your job? So if you are working for someone else and you're like, you're mm -hmm. feeling the tug, mm -hmm. how do you know when is that right time to quit? Well, I've got to tell you, it probably depends on your stage in life. Um, you can choose to make bolder decisions and more courageous decisions when it's just you, or if it's just you and a young wife or you and a young husband, um, if you've got three kids, a mortgage and, you know, college tuition, you're trying to pay off or what have you, um, that's a little bit tougher. Uh, I will tell you just from experience, when I was working at Catalyst, um, I was itching to start an event, uh, called story that was a creative gathering, bringing artists of all kinds together to learn from other great creatives. And, um, I was excited to do it. And I was at a crossroads. My wife and I had two young children at the time, very young. And we either could have uh, bought a house, bought into the 
McMansion lifestyle in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. We could have doubled down and built up a nice 401k, but we knew that if we did that, we were going to miss out on this calling that we felt or this great sense of disconnect. I think the word is discontent uh, Mm -hmm. in, in fulfilling our desires in a different way. And so we made an incredibly courageous decision. And I want to tell you, Dustin, it was a really tough year. Uh, that first story event, I think anybody who attended it back in, I guess it was 2008, maybe, they walked into a full theater. But what they didn't know is that like 85% of the people who were at that event were attending as a personal friend or a scholarship recipient of mine. And that's because as we started promoting the event, it wasn't filling up. And I had to do something very dire to, uh, you know, or, or drastic to to fill the venue and make it look like a success. And that's ultimately what led it to become a successful over the next few years was kind of that perception early on that it was a success, even though that it, even though it wasn't. So um, I don't know how to answer that question. It depends on how much hunger you've got, how much drive you have, how much courage you have. For me, I needed to do it or I wasn't going to be able to live with myself. I don't so know what's if that one the question, but <laughs> no, no, I yeah. think it does. I think it's dependent as well. I think I, I mm-hmm. think your answer is great because I think so many times when people ask these kind of standard questions, the kind of shortcut questions, you know, they mm-hmm. want a shortcut answer, and there really is no cookie cutter shortcut answer for these things, especially mm-hmm. when you're talking about quitting something that is uh, sustaining you and your livelihood, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's, I think it's definitely circumstantial, but what's one thing mm-hmm. that someone can do who wants to be an entrepreneur today? What's one thing that they can do today that gets them one step closer to that goal? You know, I, I feel like you answered that question as we were talking a little bit before the call, you were talking about, you're doing some things to kind of throw, throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. And, yeah. uh, that would be the thing that I would say as well, Dustin, is that, You've really got to try stuff and you've got to um, be willing to fail. And uh, I think people are afraid of failure because they're afraid that people will think of them as failures. And the truth is, is that nobody is paying close enough attention to even care what you're doing. Uh, so yep. uh, it's it's important to try lesson. stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a hard lesson. Yeah. But um, I think it's important to try and fail. Be willing to fail. Yeah. Yeah. Would okay. you add on to that? I feel like you're... You're kind of in that same same yeah. realm I am. Yeah, I I mean obviously that's 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 where I'm at right now is just trying to uh, have been mm-hmm. with this content stuff since the beginning of the year. That's kind of why we've been doing, you know, five topics mm-hmm. instead of just kind of narrowing in on one topic. I did my research with people that know mm-hmm. me really well, and the same five topics kept coming up over and over mm-hmm. again. I was like, well, I'm just gonna lean into all five of these and already you know five six months into it i i can start to see okay here's where my strong suit is here's where my traction is here's the most clicks uh here's the Mm -hmm. most you know bites that you know that kind of stuff and go okay that i can kind of see some are more um you know more appetizing to my audience than others and um just trying just trying different things and just it's like um Mm -hmm. you know great writers you know will you know, uh, you ask a great writer, well, how do I, what do I, what's the first thing I need to do to become a great writer? And they're like, just write, mm-hmm. just write, you know? And just so, write. and so if yeah. I think, I think if you have, if you have an idea, like there's something to creating quickly, 
There's a friend mm-hmm. of mine named Blake who was on this show uh, very early on with me. Uh, he's kind of a guru of team culture. Hmm. And, you know, he would tell me back in the day when we were creating together, he's like, man, I just find value in creating quickly. Hmm. There's no time for me to second guess uh, and play devil's advocate in my own mind as to what's yeah. going to what how this is going to how this thing's actually going to turn out mm-hmm. uh, and kind of talk myself out of it at all. Um, but as you were saying, you know, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. before the call as well, you know, entrepreneurs, we now have the freedom, you know, because we're not spending 40 hours plus a week, you mm-hmm. know, in an office or in a factory or in a store or whatever pl- place we have that margin, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to create quickly, uh, and just go, just going to try it. Uh, another friend of mine, an author, Will, uh, I've had on the show before. Will said the same thing. I said, Hey man, I got some content that I want to release, but I want to do it right. He goes, forget that just release it and i go okay Okay. seems a little scary but i get what you're saying it's just Mm -hmm. do it right so yeah uh which which leads me to my last question uh Mm -hmm. without giving us the typical nike slogan answer how how does one actually become an entrepreneur oh gosh i i want to say that if you can imagine a venn diagram with four circles these would be the four circles that collide into the sort of the sweet spot in the center uh, one would be, I love it. Uh, yeah, you've got to have um, something that you're gifted at, passionate about, um, something that you really care deeply about, um, and that will sustain you through the hard times. It's the thing that you would do even if you weren't paid to do that kind of thing. And then the other one is you've got to be able to have um, a source of undervalued uh, resources that you can share with your community in that realm. So what I mean by that is great story about Banana Republic, the way that their retail store began was they found a warehouse full of surplus army uniforms and outfits and khakis and things like that. And the lady out of the duo that started Banana Republic simply styled them and made them look great and they blew up. And so their quest was to go find all these army surplus warehouses all over the world and they purchased their inventory and eventually they started to run out of inventory. And by that time, their brand had built large enough that they could invest in other clothes and manufacturing their own stuff. But um, it's a powerful thing when you find something that is undervalued and you have it in abundant supply. I'll give you two other quick examples. The Dollar Shave Club was started by somebody who was talking to a guy who owned a warehouse full of a bunch of razors and he didn't know what to do with them. So completely undervalued, excess supply. Um, to make it personal, my wife and I run a company called Wild and Free, and the undervalued asset in abundant supply is actually incredible women and mothers who are stay-at-home all over the world who are extraordinary photographers and writers. And that is the undervalued abundant supply. So that's, I guess, number two. Number three would be you've got to have a platform. And I don't necessarily believe it has to be social media. Um, I hate social media. I would be off social media if I could. Um, But I like following friends and staying connected in that way. But platforms can be relationships. One of my dear friends is a guy by the name of Dave Dyer, and he runs a company called Manifesto. And he's got a meager Instagram account, but that man has a platform that is just hand in hand, sitting across from a dinner table from somebody or drinking a glass of whiskey 
somewhere. The, the man is just an extraordinary connector. And that is more powerful than any, really, honestly, any social media brand I can think of. So it doesn't need to be an online platform, but you definitely need a platform where people will be aware of what you're offering. And uh, number four, I'm not sure I can remember it at this point, but I do have a number four. Um, if I think of it, I'll come back to it. <laughs> That's great. I got to meet I got to meet Dan uh, Dyer at uh, at Men of the Woods a couple years ago, a couple summers ago. Uh, one of the events that that y'all put on at your Wild and Free yeah. Farm Village in Virginia, and it uh, you're absolutely right uh, that that dude's quality mm-hmm. um, in r- his relational equity uh, is highly highly yeah. rich, um, and it, he can make the rich, lowest yeah. person in the room feel mm-hmm. uh like the most important person in the room which really i think mm-hmm. goes a long way no matter what what field you're in at all so oh i thought yeah, i thought of number four too uh, so number four yes. is actually this is something you don't have a lot of control over it just takes some astute observation but it is it is demand and it's sort of that um for such a time as this sort of component um i want to tell you dustin i have started organizations where it wasn't a for such a time as this moment. And it feels like you are walking uh, up an escalator that is going down. The effort that you have to put into it is much harder than it needs to be. When you enter a field where your moment is now and the demand is there, it's like riding an escalator up. You're hardly even having to sell your offering. So those are the four in my humble opinion. No, that's fantastic. That is uh, high, highly valuable content uh, that I know that myself needs right now mm-hmm. and that the people that are watching and listening to this uh, need as well. I was going to share your social media handle, but I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> because, <laughs> because uh, no, if you want to see Ben's beautiful family and the, the, cool, the cool things that they're up to, I'll, I'll put it up on the screen here in post-production Ben Arment, but instead of M-E-N-T, it's M-3-N-T uh, mm-hmm. because Ben is super creative and uh, a genius <laughs> at everything he does. So, uh, but yeah, we, we love, uh, we love you, Ben. We love your family. Everything that y'all are doing with Wild and Free has obviously changed our life. We're a part of the Wild and Free mm-hmm. Network. My wife leads the West Georgia group uh, wow. here in West Georgia, and it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. While you were talking about it, I was seeing her outside of these windows here picking up uh, chicken eggs from our chickens <laughs> outside of this window. So I was like, man, if he could only see what I'm seeing right now. But uh, That's great. Yeah, man, I, great. I, I so, so appreciate your time today. I know it was quick, but it's super uh, valuable, I think, to everybody listening and watching as well. So thank you so much for your time, Ben. Thank you. All right, we'll catch you next time on Five Questions. See you later.